Quick, come up with something funny to say. Hello? Yo. Bort. Oh, that's really cool. Somehow I think you're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, fail. Oh. Ah! Bad Philosophy, episode 74, recorded on September 27th, 2010. Rabbit Rails. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad philosophy. Upsetting the balance of reality. One trap. One. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, one trabbit rail. At- <laughs> you have to leave that in two. <laughs> one one trabbit rail at a time, everybody. Ooh, I, uh, I think we just got another show Somebody title. got the brain damage. <laughs> That's God, that's right, Apple folks. Stolen his brain. <laughs> that's right, folks. I have the brain damage. It's uh, you know it's in season right now, and I'm <clears throat> highly susceptible. You know they they do give There's a, a sh- funny picture. Hold on. <laughs> yes, there is a funny picture. There are many. There are many funny pictures. No, hold on. <laughs> it's a funny picture that I'm going to send you. I'm holding on. With my with my damaged brain right now. <laughs> Hold on. I'm still. All right, we gotta we gotta we gotta define this now. What what the hell is a trabit rail? <laughs> a trabit rail. Yeah. Well, see, you'll put those up on either side of your trabit in case you're worried about people falling over. <laughs> <laughs> falling off of your trabit, right? Well, I mean, sometimes when it moves around a lot, you want to get a good grip. Uh, you know, that's but a trampet what she rail's said. a nice way to do it. That's what she said. A rail's a nice way to keep a hold of what's going on if your trabbit starts, you know, flying around. Well, you know, I mean, I, I just personally, I, I keep my trabbit, you know, well in hand all the time. <laughs> If yeah, you know I, I mean. bet you keep your trap well in hand. <laughs> All right, I think we should whew, cease this train of thought. Um, <clears throat> I'm still, <laughs> I'm still trying to get over Kevin's picture here too. I can't brain today. <laughs> I don't get to see the funny picture. I had to dumb. Uh, here, I'll, I'll forward it back to you. But um, welcome everybody to uh, to episode seventy four of Bad Philosophy. Uh, off to a. A rolling good start here, as you can hear. Um, so I'm joined today by the uh, the folks you've come to know and love. Uh, Kevin Saunders, finally back for another episode. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm alive. <laughs> I, I hope so. Believe him, he is still alive. And uh, and voice and <laughs> and uh, coming uh, coming over to us from uh, the wonderful Chicago area. Kiki Cannon, how are you? You're still alive, right? I I think I'm still alive. Do you, do you I had feel a fantastic? This weekend and it just, ugh, I hate weddings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who needs them, right? <laughs> married people. All right. Well, I was uh, say married people. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> I just preempted you with my with my dead brain, which is good because uh, we have an episode to do. So. Uh, so I'm gonna be, I'm I'm gonna finally get to go to Wootstock uh, because Wootstock is finally coming to Austin. Oh, yeah, you live in Austin. <laughs> Sorry, that was loud. 
I'm a yeah, little jealous. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I mean, but Will Wheaton isn't going to be there, which is kind of disappointing. But but really? Neil Gaiman is. So uh, okay, F- you. <laughs> so you know it. Oh darn. Yeah. You're still going to Woodstock because you live in Austin. We'll, we'll see if it's actually yeah. a blast. I don't know. It's it's probably going to be fun. Um, I'm hoping it'll be yes. fun. I suspect it will be very fun. Yeah. But. Uh, and then yeah, I am I am actually seriously considering going to uh, going to Comic Con. I'm guess- so am I. I'm. I think I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm building up a trend of doing like one-offs at conferences. Like uh, I. I still have not to date been to uh, one conference two years in a row or even twice. Uh, so I'm not planning on going to South by next year. I'm probably not going to go to QuakeCon again. Uh, well, obviously the Resonance Hall conferences I've been to, I wouldn't have any reason to go to twice, <laughs> and. Uh, and, uh, well, let's see, Anime Fest, I only went to once. Uh, NI Week was cool, but it was just a bunch of robots. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, Comic-Con is going to be one of those things that that's, you know, really cool one time, and then we pretty much experienced all the good stuff. Well, Comic-Con will be dead within the next three years anyway. You think so? I'm thinking the same thing about South by... Um, honestly, I think the year that, that Jed really? and I went was probably the last great South by Southwest, interactive at least. Music-wise, it's always going to go on. But, uh, you know, the tech industry is very fickle, and uh, the fact that it's grown so huge and that the tickets are almost twice the cost this year than they were last year, I think is going to keep a lot, of, uh, a lot of people that would have gone uh, from going, a lot of the interesting people, and it's going to be mostly like, uh, big company social media marketing people who yeah. are, you know, I got my fill of them <laughs> at the last conference. And... Which is which is what Comic Con's becoming. I mean, Comic Con's all about the uh, it's big marketing rather yeah. than the comics. But a lot of cool stuff is... still happens there. A lot of big announcements. A lot of sneak previews. A lot of you know, a lot of cool nerd stuff. But it does seem like really over budget. Well, and that's why I say it'll be dead in three years. Well, that's and see, that's what people said year. about that's what people said about E3, and now E3 is all big again, just like it was after they tried to kill it. So, it, you know, even if SDCC yeah, but E3, goes, E3 did something. Um, well, E3 actually canceled itself first; like they stopped it, and then they yeah. started it back up again. Um, but I, I have no more desire to go to E3 because the, the thing that has replaced E3 on my desired to go to list is now PAX. Yeah. And I kind of want to go to PAX as well. I, I mean, okay. So PAX versus San Diego Comic Con, which, which, oh God. Um, I mean, they're different beasts, right? Yeah. They're totally different beasts. It's, it's yeah. no comparison, really. But um, I'd say Comic-Con just because I've, I've always wanted to go to Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't gotten to go. Um, but I, PAX is a very fun experience. You know, lots of good music. It's got that 
E3 kind of, you know, here's previews of all the cool games. Mm -hmm. And it's also got, you know, if you're into board games and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, they've got a whole separate section for it. Right. But Speaking of, I'm going through serious D&D withdrawals. Me too. <laughs> Wait, I thought you found a. Uh, I thought yeah, you found a, Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know why I'm not playing anymore, Stephen. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, um, yeah. You know exactly why I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> and, and, and then I and really then, Kiki, want why to. Aren't, why aren't you? I thought you had an, an every weekend thing. No, that's a, a vampire lore. That's a white wolf oh, system. Oh, I see. To- totally different. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But well, I just i, I want to play. I want to play D anD D, and I don't want to play four E. And I like four E. You know, I I don't know. Somebody was trying to tell me this weekend that four E was a lot like you know, first edition or AD&D, but I don't know. I I haven't seen proof of that yet. Hmm. So, if, if that's the case, but, you know. 4E is Dungeons & Dragons. It's just as much Dungeons & Dragons as third edition or 3.5. It's got, it's the same bread sliced a little bit differently. Um, which is not the best metaphor that I could probably come up with. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. But the that, core is there. So, so how differently? Are we talking, you know, uneven slices? Are we talking, uh, you know, somebody tried to go too thin and ended up making half pieces? Uh, I mean, <laughs> are we talking, the, you know, the question I have to massive, ask, like, um, two sandwich-sized slices? <laughs> Maybe it's likewise. Is have you played 4E yet? I have not. And and it's one of the things that I can't I can't really describe it to you convincingly. One one thing I would recommend is go listen to the D and D podcasts with the guys from Penny Arcade. Okay. Um because That'll just show you that it can be a lot of fun. But I recommend, like, it, you know, assuming you can find a group to play with, um, sitting down with um, either the Quick Start Guide or the new Essentials that just came out. I yeah. don't have a strong recommendation on that because I haven't played it. But with, with something, or even Keep on the Shadow Fell, um, if you can still find it. I bought that when it first came out. And okay. actually start playing it. Um, because I didn't get it until I started playing it the first time. So it was one of those things that once I had played it for, you know, probably two or three sessions, I really started getting what was going on, and I realized you're still role-playing. You're still rolling skill checks. You're still rolling to hit. Um, And... If it, it's as much about the role playing as you want it to be, which it always was. Yeah. So that was a long way of saying it's fun. Anyways. 
so as much as I would love to talk about Dungeons and Dragons all day, and, and actually I'll, I'll put a, a footnote on that whole thing. My, uh, my friends here in, in Austin are trying to get me into, uh, into learning D&D with them. Uh, they're, I think they got a rule book and they're, they're interested in starting up a, um, <clears throat> starting up a, a what, what do you call a gathering of, of D&D people? Uh, a game? Is, 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 there, is there a technical term for it, like a gaggle? Do you have a gaggle of, of D&Ders? Or a, I, don't know, I, a, I, would, I would say, usually drone. I say my D&D buddies. Okay. Like if I'm, if I'm referring to them as a group, um, which is not in any way organized. It's just what I have found myself saying in the past. All right, that's cool. Yeah. Um so so I have a I have a random so Are you going to play fourth ed? I don't know. I I think it's fourth ed maybe. I I'd have to see the rule book. I it's probably fourth ed. I don't know, Kevin, and honestly I don't care. Have you seen the rule book? I haven't I mean, seen I'm... the rule book. Okay. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. Describe it to us and we can confirm I, I not. do not have the rule book in front of me. It is <laughs> half an hour's drive away through traffic that I don't feel like dealing with right now. We demand you go get it. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so I guess through the magic of editing, I will now tr- hop in my car and drive down to uh, Central Austin, drive back, and then <laughs> magically have the, the D&D book in hand to describe to Kevin and Kiki. I'm going to be in bed by then. <laughs> will at that future point have signed off, logged off, or continued doing whatever it is they do with their Trabit rails. Uh, anyways, so I, I have a, a kind of a, um, ethical social conundrum, uh, to bring before y'all. Uh, have y'all ever been blocked by any individual on Facebook? Yes. Yes. Do you happen to know this individual personally? Yes. Do you happen to have ever had a relationship with this individual? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, now, have you ever been blocked by someone whom you haven't previously had a relationship with? Not to my knowledge. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kiki, what about you? Uh, I don't... As far as I know, I've never been blocked by anybody on Facebook. So, I can't really speak to that. Mm-hmm. So, you've, you've never been sort of like browsing through your friends list and gone, oh, I, I wonder where so-and-so went, and then tried to search them and no search results came up and you went to people whom you know they were friends with and they didn't show up in the friends list of these people and no never the only only time that's happened to me is when people i know have deleted their accounts okay so hmm well i here's the deal um did you get blocked steven yes by by two people well one of whom i'd had a relationship with the other a friend of this person whom I'm pretty sure I was on very good terms with the last time we spoke. Uh, this may have been a complete farce and, you know, as I want to do, I'm completely inept at reading most people. Uh, but it, it just seemed like a very odd thing to, to happen to be, you know, be cut off from, from any contact with these folks. Uh, both of whom I have uh, their, their numbers. So I've texted both of them, received no reply. So I've, I, apparently been ostracized from that method of communication as well. And, uh, and they both live in uh, other places, not where I live. So I have no way of personally contacting them. 
their friends know nothing about the situation and have made tacit promises to talk to them about it. But I maybe I'm overblowing this, but it just Probably. feels strange. You know, it's it, it, and it's it's an interesting social gesture. It's sort of like uh, you know your own your own private exile. You know, if you want to just cease all contact with a certain individual and prevent them from ever being able to contact you. It's, it's actually pretty easy to do on the internet these days. Um, but it's, it's easy to do thanks to Facebook while remaining connected socially to the other people whom you do want to be in, in close frequent contact with. Uh, and I just find that a bit, um, a bit disturbing. I, I mean, how can you all think of anything other than Facebook that's, you know, really a, a, a go-to medium for, for keeping in touch with folks that you know? Among my circles, live journal still really? holds some weight. Still holding out yeah. some live journal? I have a few people on AIM, but, uh, you know, they, it's, it's a very small fraction of my, my friends are still on AIM. Well, I, I mean, I, I still... to Twitter. Uh, yes, these particular individuals never really got into Twitter, so there's not that. See, I, I prefer that almost, because, like, with, with this shifting of, of social networks every few years, it saves me the trouble of having to go, when I, when I join a new one, it saves me the trouble of having to go back to my old one and actually decide if I like these people enough that I've kind of added as friends just, you know, in bits and pieces and say, well, do I want to keep them? Or, or I can just ignore the whole thing and move on to my new social network. Hmm. I, and I think, I, I want to say that that's sort of stabilized. Like, in, in the last three years, we, we haven't really seen any new players in the game. Facebook has become bigger than anyone has ever been before and uh, has actually kind of grown to the point where it's challenging Google in terms of, uh, of mind share, of, of share of information, certainly of web traffic in total. Uh, and it's it's definitely dominated the social space in the same way that that Google uh, dominated the search space. Um, I mean that that's a much bigger issue, I guess, and better for shows like Twit and Twig to talk about. But um, oh, that reminds me though, are either of y'all interested in seeing the Facebook movie? Oh yeah, I am totally. desperately wanting. Yeah, yeah, I I'm making plans to go see it uh, at the Alamo Drafthouse uh, this this coming Friday. And, um, yeah, I'm very excited for it. Uh, the, the initial reviews are extremely positive. Uh, I've liked the, the trailers that I've seen so far, and um, I think it's really good good meat for a story. <laughs> I just I hope it really is as well, good as thing, people are saying. The thing about it is, to me, and it's really, it, it's, it's funny because the trailers are good. I, I certainly like the trailers. But what actually sold me on the movie was not the subject matter, was not the trailer, but was, in fact, the fact that Aaron Sorkin wrote it and David Fincher directed it. Yeah, that, oh, that, yeah. Which, that was a big push To my little well, cinema, yeah. cinemaphile, you know, nerd that I am, that sent me into spasms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm this, with you on that one. Aaron Sorkin wrote what, up until, well, I, I would say what I think is the best half-hour television series of all time. Um, he also wrote The West Wing. But... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. But Aaron Sorkin is, is, to me, so much the man when it comes to um, screenwriting. Um, pretty much because of Sports Night. 
but his other stuff's good too. And he's very, and, uh, very dialogue-driven writer, isn't he? Oh, certainly. Which is which is a big deal to me because I'm a sucker for good dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, David Fincher, who is David Fincher, aka Fight Club, aka other movies. <laughs> oh, Fight Club is <laughs> is good enough. You, you know, you just say that in any, um, any circle of cinema files, seven. and you're like, yeah, that's the other one I was trying to think of. Uh, seven. Uh, you know, a lot of the initial reviews are saying that that this is better than Fight Club. In terms of uh, in terms of Fincher films, so like best one he's done that. yet. Hmm. So so yeah, I'm definitely excited about seeing it. Um, and and in many ways, it's it's an interesting conundrum that uh, and they talked about this a little bit on Twitter that it's the the first time that I, I mean, well, not the first time, but it's it's interesting that it's about a mogul who is still alive, kind of all the way up to the point where where we're at right now. Um, other movies I can think about as far as tech industry moguls, uh, Pirates of Silicon Valley, of course, Chronicle Steve film. Jobs and, and Bill Gates. But I don't think it's, I, I mean, this feels like it's going to be much higher budget, much deeper cutting uh, character-wise to to uh, Mark Zuckerberg than it ever was to, to Steve Jobs. I mean, people still revere Steve Jobs, and there was never really any suspicion in the first place as to uh, you know what kind of a person he was you know everybody knew he was he was pretty blunt he, he was very driven uh, you know but very um, very enlightened when it came to uh, computers and technology and uh, that Gates was just sort of this brainiac you know not exactly not not very socially um, adjusted but uh, certainly a genius in his own right as well uh, Zuckerberg uh, I mean, we we've seen the the IMs, we've seen the emails of him, you know, saying that these, you know, the people who are signing up for his network are are idiots, uh, you know, to to use a less pejorative term. Um, yeah. And he's yeah. and he hasn't denied them, and I mean, he's very he's very kind of um, mysterious still, and and I think this movie is going to kind of blow the lid off of uh, just how just how much of a loose cannon he is. I mean, genius certainly, but very a very dangerous person to be in control of 500 million people <laughs> in essence. Yeah. I'm also glad it's going to give uh, Jesse Eisenberg a chance to be in a movie that doesn't have the word land in the title. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what happened in zombie land? Adventure land. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I, I, admittedly, Facebook Land would have been a pretty funny title. <laughs> <laughs> that was like in his contract. He wanted this movie, but only if Land got put in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it became like... Fine, we'll call it Facebook Land. <laughs> Stupid title. Well, I mean, The Social Network isn't exactly the most inspired title either. Uh, no, you know, everyone not. pretty much just calls it the it Facebook movie like anyway. It a filler title. Yeah, the I mean, the, 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 the movie should have just been called title. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, or like but, Zuckerberg. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But it should be called Facebook Land. <laughs> Facebook Land. Um, but you did bring up kind of an interesting thing that I'm always thinking about, which is the connection between genius and severe mental or social problems. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it, like, is it... 
can you really be a genius without having, you know, something like that? Well, and it kind of gets at the, you know, just the definition of genius. Um, and, and we've come to, to kind of understand it, at least contemporarily, um, in, in terms of kind of, you know, the Einstein genius, you know, that, that guy who, who just, you know, who, who gets fame or recognition for, for going so far beyond his, his peers in some, you know, really heady subject, uh, you know, who can just simply manage uh, complex tasks, tasks much, uh, you know, with ease and, and, uh, and, and uh, aplomb and, and poise and, and, you know, just it, it ma- he makes the, the super complicated seem simple. Um, and, and that, you know, going far beyond in some capacity. And in this case, Zuckerberg went very far beyond in success uh, monetarily and, and um, technologically in terms of his, his creation. Um, but in order to do that, I, I mean, I, there, there are a lot of people who speculated that he's sort of Asperger's-ish. And I can kind of see that maybe, and, and that might come across a little bit in this film. And some other people have kind of put that forward too, that, that Asperger's kind of uh, tilts the, the balance of the brain, you know, more toward high function and away from, from social functions. Yeah. And that as a result, you get, you know, very, people who can do very, very complex things that the average person can't, uh, but they can't do simple things like, you know, keeping friends <laughs> as yeah. easily as the average person well, it's, can. It's more complicated than that. It's, uh, yeah, obviously Sorry, it's not all, it's not one dimensional. Hat, it's it's two dimensional or three dimensional. Well, it's Asperger's is is actually doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's it's being replaced with um, autism spectrum disorder because okay. it really is it falls under autism. Um, it's a very high functioning form of autism, and so they have trouble reading, understanding, and conveying social cues. Yes. So it's it's very difficult for them to to take things that aren't that things like sarcasm, for example, is very difficult to understand because you're saying one thing when you mean its opposite. Mm-hmm. Yes. So and okay, that's all I really know about Asperger's. But <laughs> but well, I mean, it's, even, it's not even just acting funny. It's been you know a part of the autism spectrum for a while but it was given its its own name because it's so high-functioning in most other ways. And I know a lot of people who carry that diagnosis. Um, and it is very difficult to deal with them, but I find that once you understand that that is a problem, it becomes far easier for for me at least you know, to understand that this is a thing I have to explain more or, you know, this is something that, you know, I will never expect them to reciprocate on. Um, but I, I've always wondered, there are so many, you know, I'm bipolar and I constantly look at, at other you know, there are a lot of people like Van Gogh and people like that that now would have been properly diagnosed. Right, and, and even um, even in his time, possibly Einstein. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, and and we've you know we've called them geniuses in the past uh, because we only see you know in retrospect we have records of their works, their creations, their 
um, you know, their accomplishments and not so much of, you know, their, their, their habits and their, their, um, behaviors in, in detail, you know, in, in a way that, that would reveal that, that kind of, um, that kind of social, uh, deficiency. Uh, and it's, it's yeah. really interesting. This, this kind of ties into, uh, I, I started reading, uh, the, the Baroque cycle by Neil Stevenson. Finally, um, I'm getting through almost to the end of Quicksilver, the first of five books, uh, through Audible. And uh, it's very interesting how he he portrays uh, Newton, uh, Isaac Newton, in the in the book, and and you can sort of see him him kind of painting Newton as as this type of person, as as sort of autistic, you know, very very focused on constant experimentation, uh, you know, even even when he in his spare time, you know, he's he's doing it not only for for exploration purposes, but just for you know to keep his mind busy uh, at the expense of. Of anything else, and there's there's one scene where uh, uh, Daniel Waterhouse, the the uh, the protagonist of the book, has to kind of go into Newton's lab and, and say, "Look, the King of England is here in town. You may have no other chance to to show him your genius, to show him your your accomplishments and your your papers than right now. Uh, and you uh, you know you will have to do some socializing, some." Uh, interaction on this level of of pedantry that that you so despise in order to keep doing what you're doing in this lab. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very much like like okay, take some time away from being a genius so that you can keep being a genius. And uh, I feel like that's that's very much um, you know what what this um, what a lot of geniuses that we've seen in recent times have experienced. And and I I feel like that might be a direction that that this Facebook movie will go. Is that you know despite all the Despite it being a social network, I mean, it's it's almost the the ultimate irony. Uh, Zuckerberg knows next to nothing about actual socialization, or or he sees it from from the t- from the standpoint of an engineer rather than from a, a socialite or you know a social person. He sees the the elements of being social, but not the uh, kind of kind of the subtleties of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I find that. There are a lot of things that go along with these sorts of disorders, which are that you can uh, you can look and understand and dissect particular behaviors, mm-hmm. even if you never experience them yourself. You know, it's very easy to look at some of these things and see this is the motivation behind this person acting this way. And so for me, it's not a hard jump to think that he could have looked at this, you know, college collective and been able to dissect what people wanted out of it. Yeah. And transfer that to a medium he was more familiar with. Um, but well, I definitely my... think we should do a uh, we should do a post watch analysis on the film. You know, we we can speculate yes, all we uh, want here, absolutely. but uh, <laughs> you know, definitely we'll do a do a follow up after the film comes out. Um, I don't know, Kevin. Any any more thoughts on this subject? No, I've pretty much said my piece. Okay, you you never yeah. read uh, the the Baroque Cycle, did you? That was just uh, Benjamin Brown, right? Um, ironically enough, it has been sitting on my bedside table for over a year. <laughs> um, I've never gotten past the first hundred pages. It's and it's a it's laborious even, read. <laughs> and well and that's the thing is it's one it's a lot harder to read than even um Stephenson's other stuff. Yeah. So it's one of like those he, that he I'll, goes, I'll start reading it. What? 
he goes just like unnecessarily deep into descriptions and like minutiae of of the politics of the late 1700s (laughs) he is he is obviously like it's obvious he got really obsessed with this time period and read a lot of period uh you know publican uh, speeches uh and and writings about about the the time and about london and and the people uh and then just sort of sort of created this this uh this historical fiction to to, to sort of play around with all that stuff and uh and and it is yeah. it's it's very laborious and you're kind of like I, i'm still at this point i'm wondering okay so what the hell is the point of this book <laughs> other yeah. than well, other than I, to like kind of is that i've oh, go ahead other than to kind of like be a fly on the wall in in the royal society, or you know, meet meet all of these supermen of the the early scientific age, like it's mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and and I say that it's been on my bedside table for over a year, and it has, and it's one of those that I would like to eventually read. But it's one of the things that I'll see another book, or I'll have another book, and I'll start reading that, and it will get placed on top of. Quicksilver, <laughs> and then I never come back to it. Um, it's actually gotten to the point where, and, and this is kind of sad, and it's now, I'm just now remembering this, that I've actually used Quicksilver to prop up my alarm clock so I can see it over the other stack of books that I'm actually reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Spoken Ouch. like a true bit um, <laughs> So, I mean... That's what it's doing. Yeah, I and I honestly, I don't think I could get through a text version of this book. I, I don't think I could have gotten through Anathem because you know every time I would have picked it up, I would have seen that that heft of you know a thousand pages still to go yeah. and gone. My trick Screw to this. Anathem, <laughs> you know? the way I read Anathem was I I read it on the bus to and from campus every day. Yeah. Um, and eventually I got to a point where I, I had to finish reading it, and so I, I sat down somewhere and actually finished reading it. But um, So it was, I, w- I would read it in these very managed chunks of time. That's, that's um, probably the best way to do it. And, uh, I mean, another good way for me, obviously, is, is letting a, a very experienced voice actor read it to me <laughs> and do all of the <laughs> different accents so I can keep all of the, you know, 50 different characters uh, separate in my mind, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of get the place and, and time and feel uh, down at any given point. But yeah, because there's just it's also very dialogue heavy, uh, and I, mm-hmm. I can just find see myself falling asleep if I try to read it and imagine it in my own mind. <laughs> but I'm hoping that it'll be a good payoff. You know, it's a, it's a five book series, and it, it apparently covers a, a pretty wide swath of history in a in an interesting and engaging where you, where way. Where do you get that five book thing? I've not I've not heard that before. It's uh, the Baroque cycle is five books. Uh, I'll I'll look it up again on on Audible here, but it's like, uh, I mean, Quicksilver is the first one. Solomon's Gold is in there somewhere. Um, See, I know three books, and so I'm three. really curious what you've got going on. Well, you've got um, Quicksilver, <laughs> the Confusion and System of the World. Okay. Um, now, Quicksilver, Confusion, and System of the World are all broken up into smaller books. Quicksilver is broken up into Quicksilver, King of the Bag of Bonds, and Odalisk. Confusion is Bonanza and the Junkto, and System of the World is Solomon's Gold, Currency, and System of the World. Oh, so, eight okay. books is an acceptable 
is an acceptable name. That, number. that could be it then. And three okay. books is an acceptable number. Five books is not. <laughs> yeah. And and so so Quicksilver or what I'm reading as Quicksilver is actually book one of nine or book one of eight, then. Yeah. Okay. So you're not even. Yeah. Yeah. I see. No. 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 I just I just didn't look through all of them. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Book book one, book two, book three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Got it. So you've so, got a lot more audible <laughs> listening to do if you're on. So all total, let's see. The book. 14, 25, 38, 72, 86, 100, 111 hours. Welcome <laughs> to bad philosophy. This week's season does math. To go through all eight <laughs> books. Oh. Well, and, okay, speaking of that, and the reason I know this very well, that like the books or volume separation that really yeah. it bothers me because um This will take me I the own, better part of a year, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I own all three volumes of the series to distinguish them from the books. And when I was going through, I, I picked up Quicksilver at a used bookstore, and I eventually got the other two at a used bookstore. But I would always, you know, Every time I looked at a used bookstore, I would start checking around for them. And I found they have sold Quicksilver Volume 1 split up into three books as well. Oh, wow. And that really bothered me that they did that because I didn't want to buy each individual book. I just wanted the hard copy or paperback total chunk. Yeah, and... uh I mean the, the the way the audible ones are split up is is one two three four and five as one and then six seven and eight as individuals. Uh, although four and five is simply double the length of any other one, but it's it's worth one credit just like all the other ones are. Very strange. Yeah, whatever. Uh, honestly, as well, it's it's kind of discouraging that that book one that that Quicksilver is. Uh, Rated three. It's actually the lowest rating of all of the books, and uh, the highest rated, uh, from what I can see, is the confusion. The confusion is books four and five. Right. So yeah. Um, so maybe know. it gets better. That... I guess it's it's one of those that just gets better with, uh, as you go through it. But how? Here's my deal. Like, how the hell does he write this much? I'm sorry. Like, th- this is. He must be like reading massive vol- historical volumes and writing these books simultaneously, like like just constantly two three thousand words much. a day, like cranking. Um, I mean, it out. From what I've read, the man is as much of a recluse as someone like Alan Moore. Uh huh. Um, in that he doesn't socialize. Yeah, he, I, I read an interview, something or article once, talked about like in the morning he writes, in the afternoon he spends in his workshop working on things. Um, but I I don't know how he does it. I think he needs an editor personally. Yeah, I I mean th- some of this stuff is like uh, I can see in some cases um, minimal editing, like. Hey, uh, you haven't mentioned this character in, oh, I don't know, 200 pages. Uh, I think you need to kind of refresh the listener's memory a little bit on who they are. <laughs> like, I can feel a yeah. little bit of that uh, in there. 
But there are many times where I'm just like, what? Why did that section exist? Like, why did that entire block of stuff exist? Like, there is no. It has no bearing on anything. I, I think what happened was, and this is this is purely a guess, but I think what happened was. He wrote Snow Crash, which is not his first book, but one of his earlier books, mm-hmm. that is pretty... Well, for a Stephenson novel, it's downright slim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels um, extremely fast-paced compared to these other ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I suspect The Diamond Age is the same way. I've not read it. But those both hit pretty critical acclaim. And then, because he was a name, he, had, he didn't have to edit himself anymore. Uh. And... I say this because it's very much like um, it happened in a, in a very similar way. I feel to um, Stephen King, hmm. who also got uh, much more verbose over time. He did, and and I like Stephen King. I still like reading his books. I need to finish Under the Dome because it's really good. But his, you know, you go back and look at Carrie or the first Dark Tower book. And they're much more economical in their um, length. They're, they're shorter books. And they get progressively longer overall as time goes on. And I mm-hmm. suspect some of that has to do with the fact that he's Stephen King, and whatever he writes is going to be a bestseller, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and I, I can definitely see a little bit of that here with, with Stevenson. Um, and, and granted, like, see, like the Baroque cycle. Um, do you know how many years he wrote it over, and when? I don't know how long he wrote it over. I know it was published over two years. Two, two. Um, that's it. Oh. Three books and yeah, three volumes in two years. I well, suspect a lot of it was written before it was published, though. Yeah, but man, um, I, Cryptonomicon came out in two in ninety nine. Um, have and you read that, Quick by the Silver way? Came out in... What? Have you read Cryptonomicon? Yeah, I enjoyed Cryptonomicon. Yeah, um, you and... read Cryptonomicon, you know, as as sort of a, a book in the background of this alt seventeenth century whatever yes. that he created. And and it's the same. Or, or the Baroque cycle could be considered a prequel to Cryptonomicon. Okay. Um, but only. In the vaguest of senses. So he in that, wrote there is, it there is over... one character who is in both of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me guess. Enoch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of figured. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, like he spoiled that from the freaking beginning, like the first scene of the book. <laughs> well, it's not spoiled, but no, in Cryptonomicon, that's not known. Oh, okay. Um. um yeah. That sort of gets revealed over the course of Cryptonomicon. So, now, yes, by the time Quicksilver came out, if you'd already read Cryptonomicon, it had been spoiled. But, yeah, uh, anyway. So, it just talks about the setting. It was published in three volumes in 2003 and 2004. Yeah. Man, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything really about the, uh, the writing process. Oh, no. okay. He's a real, he's a real secluded guy. 
So he'll probably he's probably writing like something else like this, and he's just going to come out with it and just be like, "Hey, yeah, you know, while I was working on Anathem, I also did this other five volume thingamajigger." And here you go. <laughs> Actually, um, <laughs> hold on. Is I he writing something now? Because there's a thing. Oh boy. If I can spell Stephenson when I search, that would help. Um, Mongoliad. Hmm. This is his new thing. Um, there's a nifty thing about it on Boing Boing, of course. Okay. Because Cory Doctorow liked Stephenson a lot. And this is dealing with um, new forms of media. So here's a little linky link. Give that to Kiki if you can. Oh, I found it. Uh, <laughs> but this is the collaborative participatory shared world project from Neil Stephenson, Greg Bear, and Pals. It's an epic fantasy novel about the Mongol conquest told in installment form with lots of supplementary material, video stills, short fiction, etc., and a strong audience participation component in the form of a Wikipedia-style concordance, fanfics, etc. Um, five bucks or five ninety-nine gets you a six-month subscription to the main body. Nine ninety-nine gets you a year, and you retain access to the fiction after your subscription expires, but don't get any new material until you renew. Um, so it's one of those things that yes it's a very big massive epic historical fiction sort of thing fantasy novel like he does um, but it, it's told it in seems, a very different way this seems over ambitious it seems suspicious over ambitious and and suspiciously over ambitious, <laughs> my dad. <laughs> I love the first I, I... line. It, <laughs> welcome. It's spring of twelve forty one, and the West is shitting its pants. <laughs> oh. I'll have to look into this just for Greg Bear's, uh, you know. Participation in it. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, it's a neat idea. I certainly don't have time to read it. Um, although I'd like to. Yeah. I, although I, I, don't don't know know how, I don't know how I feel about paying a subscription for a book. Right. Like, I just want to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Although... Ironically enough, um, this reminds me of, this is another parallel between Stevenson and Stephen King. Um, years and years and years ago, before online publishing was a thing at all, um, Stephen King tried online publishing, and he created a serial novel called The Plant. Hmm. And it was an online book published just online in six installments and he said don't he said download it and all I ask I, I ask he's not, not requiring is anyone who downloads it and, and who, if you download a chapter of it give him a dollar hmm. um, and it was sort of set up as um, 
sort of if, if he didn't finish it basically because not enough people were paying for it. He got fed up. Yeah, and I don't see a lot um, of people paying for this either. I mean, it's just such a radical new concept in content distribution. Mm-hmm. I, I, no, I don't know. I think people but, are. The, I mean, the point, kind I'm pointing of, out. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. It came out in 2000. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm talking about Mongoliad. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm still on the. I, I'm sorry. I'm a step ahead of you. Behind. Sorry. Behind you. Floridian <laughs> uh, slip. Um, <clears throat> just you know, I think I need to put some rails on my trabit, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> But yeah, yeah it's get a couple it's, of those traffic rails. <laughs> oh, I love we have a new term. Hello everyone, <laughs> welcome to the traffic rails. <sighs> Anyways, uh so well we well, I think we've talked enough. What do y'all think? Anything else you wanna wanna <laughs> flap our lips on before we head out? <laughs> I really wish and, and this is this is what I'm gonna end with. I really wish more people had paid for it because I paid for every installment. I paid him a dollar for every installment. And I really wish more people did because the book is unfinished mm. for the plant. Oh, and great. I owned, <laughs> I got all of the installments. I even printed them out and put them in a binder and like kept updating it when new, one came, new ones came out. And he stopped it before finishing it and it makes me sad. I'm sorry, Kevin. So, you should you should message Stephen King in some capacity and ask him to finish his book. Seriously, this is a 10-year-old <laughs> grudge I've been holding, which is kind of sad, but true. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you all both for, for the wonderful discussion. Uh, we, we sort of kind of ended up where we started, but not really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we invented a new term in the process. So, uh, Kevin, uh, keep on keeping on. Uh, I guess you... you you're planning to see uh, the movie this weekend, right? Uh, I'd certainly like to. Okay. It would be nice if I could. Please, please shoot for it. I would like to uh, to see that happen. And yeah, uh, and you as well, Kiki. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna try. So. All right. And uh, well, thank y'all both for for joining me here on this episode. Um, and as far as <laughs> see, here's the deal. I'm kind of thinking of like eliminating the whole. Let's talk about where we can find ourselves at the end of the episode, because really anybody listening at this point is already following us, and anyone who cares enough to follow us on Twitter is probably <laughs> going to go to the website and look up the link that appears under your name. So, so you, you can just How say more information can, about us can be found on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, um, you know, we, we have the new segment, uh, what, what, what did we call it again? Oh, oh even worse philosophy uh, through the FormSpring account. And I, I noticed, Kevin, that, that you answered a couple of questions uh, on the website. Yeah, uh, on the FormSpring? Yeah, on the FormSpring. Uh, any, anything yeah. you wanted to, to highlight for that? Um, let me go see what people asked. Now <laughs> um, on bad philosophy, it's the time I don't remember. to look at the FormSpring account. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I liked my answers. Um, okay, do you want to just uh, read just one real quick? Um, yeah, let me see what I think. Okay, here's the one I think is the funniest. Um, I don't know what other people think or not, but 
Um, so should I just read the question and then my answer? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, it's kind of long because I give long. Do, do we have a Do we have an originator for the question? No, um, only one of the questions was um, had a name attached to it. Okay. Um, as far as I remember. Although we'll I just we'll just pretend it was it was uh, we'll pretend it was 4chan because they're all anonymous anyway, right? Yeah, something. <laughs> so like that. 4chan okay. asks. <laughs> so the question was, um, what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? <laughs> and my response was, uh, this question poses a bit of an issue for me. On the one hand, my initial instinct is to just quote the book that is clearly being referenced here in say 42. However, I don't want to do that because this is literally just stealing the work of a much funnier person than myself. I will have added nothing to the discourse, just taking part in a nerd-centric call-and-response ritual. See also, so say we all, and that's no moon. <laughs> and even that ignores the first part of the ritual. Sorry. And even that ignores that the first part of the ritual has been mangled by the continually passing it down further and further away from the original source material. 42 isn't the, ans isn't the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. It's the answer to the question of life, the universe, and everything. A question that is very intentionally unknown. I guess I didn't ignore it after all. And while on the other hand, I could just take the question at face value, I seriously hope the questioner isn't coming to me for some sort of greater understanding of the universe. I'm just a guy with a podcast. I don't know what the meaning of life is. I don't even understand the question fully. It feels like to me like one of those things that somebody may have asked seriously at some point in the past, but now it no longer has any of that meaning and it's just a hollow set of words. I suspect this may have been what Douglas Adams was getting at when he made the original joke mentioned above on the radio back in the day. So far we have two options. To give you the tried expected answer, which I don't want to do, and something deeper, which I can't. I seem to be left with only one option. Tear apart the question with an over-analytical discussion of it in hopes that somebody might find my dry wit humorous. I hope I've done that well. Okay. Well, that, that, yeah. that was good. <laughs> and, and entertaining at the so. same time. So, mission accomplished. Uh, so I have uh, two follow-ups to that, actually. Uh, interesting tidbits okay. to add. Uh, today, as I was uh, sorting through a bunch of stuff at the museum, uh, I found the uh, the cover to the the Hitchhiker's Guide for, to the Galaxy game for DOS, uh, nice. circa 1986. Uh, the original cover, manual, uh, art, everything, uh, and it does have "Don't Panic" okay. written in large, friendly letters on the front. <laughs> and uh, number two, uh, that actually happens to be one of the questions I posted. <laughs> it happens to be one of what? One of the questions that I posted on the website <laughs> when you I was testing that question. Yes, uh, I was. I, I was I wasn't testing out. Say anything, but <laughs> that did occur to me as well. <laughs> I I was testing out the uh, the little applet that appears uh, to the right of the the content on the website, and um, <laughs> just never got around to deleting the question, and then you you answered it. So. <laughs> So how many of these questions that I've answered did you ask? Um, that actually is the only one. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Because I've, I've answered all but one of these. I think you answered one. Yeah. And we answered and one I on answered the show. the other six. 
So, yeah. <laughs> but I like your answer anyway, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I like answering them. It, it is a good way for me to spend 30 minutes coming up with an interesting thing. If, and they don't always take that long. Sometimes they're shorter. Like, uh, why do birds suddenly appear? <laughs> and my answer was, because of spontaneous generation, occasionally a big pile of sticks that has somehow become lodged in a tree branch will turn into little baby birds. Just ask Aristotle. Mm, it's that, that organizing principle at work. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, keep asking us questions on the Forum Spring account, folks. Uh, you might get Kevin answering them. You might get me. Uh, but I would, in the future, Kevin, uh, when you do answer, put a little, like, uh, dash K at the end, and I'll put a little, like, dash S so that we well, know which Almost all one. of my answers have answered by Kevin at the end. Okay. Well, that's, that's good, then. Uh, but I think we'll the only use... one that... There's a couple that don't, but most of the we'll, time... We'll do. use that convention in the future, then. All righty. Uh, well, folks, you can get, uh, you know, I'll plug y'all's Twitter stuff anyway. You can, uh, <laughs> you can find these lovely it, people you? on, uh, no, we can't. Can't stop the sis signal. <laughs> <sighs> Twitter.com slash Kevsond, Twitter.com slash Voice of Kiki, Twitter.com slash S Torrance. And of course, last but not least, Twitter.com slash Bad Philosophy, uh, Formspring.me slash Bad Philosophy. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. I haven't I haven't really tried with the episode descriptions lately. Because <laughs> it's mainly no, been like at, once I get to that point in the production process, I'm like, oh f- I gotta write something. <laughs> it's like I just want to be done with this, and it's like one in the morning, and I upload it, and nobody sees one the day, tweet go out. One day the episode description will just be like, "You want an episode description? You write one your own damn self." Stupid yeah, people. right. Episode <laughs> write your own damn description. Here's the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>